0: If you will, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 13 through 21, Uh, we'll read responsibly, you'll read the even verses, I'll read the odd, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. The Bible says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray.
1: Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how uh, it's alive. Lord, you gave it uh, many years ago. It was written in heaven before man was created. And yet you gave it to us as we needed it, and we have the complete copy today. Lord, I pray that you'd use it today to help your people. Lord, I, I cannot meet their needs, but you could. I pray that each and every person would get what they need for their life today, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. We read one of the most amazing passages in the Word of God to me. There's some truths that I want to help you with today. If you'll look at me for a few moments, we'll get back to the scripture. But listen to the the opening here and you'll understand where I'm headed. No one likes battles. No one likes trials. No one likes testings. They're not only not fun, but honestly, they they wear us out. If you're over the age of 30, you know what I'm talking about. If you're over the age of 50, you're almost dead. Uh, no, uh, battles seem to wear us down physically. They wear us down emotionally, and they can wear us out spiritually. The stress and the tension causes the mind and the body fatigue and we're usually so focused on the stress that we quit feeding our spirit and it gets weak too. I'm going to make a statement. may shock you. God has never promised to keep you from battles. God has never promised to keep you from tribulation. Sometimes, As in the case of Job, he may even volunteer us for those. When the devil came to God and God said, have you considered my servant Job? God volunteered Job to go through it. Be careful you don't look at those testings and trials as the devil himself. It may be God allowing you because he knows you can handle it. Though God may not keep us from all this, (laughs) this about to shout, God does promise to give us the strength and the power for the battle we need. God says in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, watch this, to be strengthened with might. By the Spirit in the inner man. I want you to notice what God says here. God says that he would strengthen us with might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. That word might is where we get the word dynamite. Now, not the tall, black, skinny guy on television that used to say dynamite, but uh, you young people don't know what that means, and I'm sad for you. Uh, Miss Kim's back there going, mm-hmm, she's still watching it. Uh, <laughs> now, wait a minute. I want you to notice God says that he would empower, he would give power or might or strength to our inner man. When we get our inner man strengthened, then our body and our soul can get strength. We work at it the wrong direction. We want our body to rest and our emotions to rest so that we can get some spiritual strength. And God says, no, 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 no. I'll strengthen your spirit. And your spirit will then give strength to your body and your soul. You can have the prettiest car in town, but if it doesn't have an engine, what good is it? You can polish it. You can have every, uh, enhancement on it that you could put on a car, but if it's got no engine, it's worthless. But uh, it's clean. It doesn't have a scratch. It's been waxed once a week. But if it's got no engine, what good is it? Yes, That's right. But it's, it, it's pretty. It's, it, it's the latest model. But with no engine, what good is it? I'd rather have a beater that runs good than a fancy car that doesn't have an engine. You see, too many of us humans only seek to get our body and our soul in shape. And we ignore the inner man. Because we're trying to work from the outside in, and God wants to work from the inside out. And so many of us get into these battles and we get tired. We get fatigued. We get weary. Then we get discouraged. And it seems like the heavier the battle, the less energy we have. I hear people say all the time, but preacher, you just don't understand. You're different than I. No, I'm not. I'm made out of the same sinful flesh you are. But preacher, I, I, you just don't understand what stress I'm under. Have you ever tried pastor in a church? <laughs> Try that one once. Hey, have you ever tried to build a building with all volunteer giving? You want to find out what stress is? Say, preacher, how do you do it? How do you stay so strong? (laughs) Fake it till you make it. No, uh, (laughs) some of that is true. But the the key is this, they, and and I hear people say all the time, but preacher, you just seem like you're never down. You're never discouraged. You're, oh, it's not true, but I, I, I I don't, I don't stay down because I work on the inner man and God gives me a strength that no one else has and it empowers my soul and my body. You see, we want to work from the outside in. God wants to work from the inside out. Number one, let me jump into the sermon just right off the bat. God does not want us to faint or fail in tribulation. God does not want you to fail. But listen to me, that doesn't mean that you're going to win every battle. Did you know sometimes losing a battle means you win the war? Ephesians 3.13 Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations. Everybody look at me for a second. That term faint means to pass out. Give up. God doesn't want us to pass out during tribulations. Galatians 6.9 says be not weary in well doing for we shall reap if we faint Not. Now, I have never passed out. I've blacked out a couple times when have been playing sports or something and get the wind knocked out of you, and you kind of you get starry-eyed, but I could still hear everything going on. I just wasn't all the way gone. I remember one time I had I'd blown two discs in my back, and my wife was ready to take me to the hospital. I was standing in the washroom at the sink, and I started to black out, and she said, if you pass out, I'm calling 911. That brought me back. Nope, I'm not going. That's as close to passing out as I've ever been. It really is. And I heard her say 911. I'm not doing that. Now, wait a minute. God does not want us to faint. We think losing the battle is failure. No, fainting is failure. We think that if we don't win this The tribulation, no, God says don't faint. Be not weary in well doing. In doing things well. Well is an adverb. That's how we're supposed to be doing things. God says don't get weary in how you do what you're doing. Because if you keep on going, you will reap if you don't give up. You see, God has no victory if we faint. God needs us to keep going. God needs us to stay in the battle. Can I tell you something? If you looked at Job's life for a while there, it didn't look like God cared much. He lost five businesses. He lost ten children and their spouses. He lost his wealth, he lost his health, he lost the loyalty of his wife. Why do not you just curse God and die? How would you like to be married to that? God got back at her because she had to have ten more kids, amen? Anyway, uh, but you look at the life of Job and for a while it doesn't look like God cared much. But Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But sometimes we want to give up. Our body's tired. Our emotions are wore out. And I'll tell you why. It's because that's all you focused on and you haven't let God empower your inner man. We're trying to fight it in our flesh. We're trying to fight it in our intellect and in our spirit. God says, just you and I walk together. We'll take this thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there quickly if you're, you're near there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I love these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Brother Jim, that's enough to make me want to shout. Now, when I'm going through it, I don't feel like rejoicing. I, I really don't enjoy enemies. I really don't enjoy sickness. I don't really enjoy bad news. I don't enjoy battles. But I do know this. God's grace is sufficient. Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But it's not going to happen in your strength. It's going to happen in his strength. I was here early this morning by 5 o'clock or so. I'd gone into every room praying for the workers and the children and the young people and the adults. I walked through this auditorium. I stopped at every row and prayed for every person that would be sitting in the seat you're sitting in today. I got done with tears running down my face for the cross I could hear old Lester Roloff. They had thrown him in jail because he wouldn't take a state license for his children's homes in the state of Texas. He started singing at midnight one night in the jail. When sin-stricken, burdened, and weary from bondage, I'd long to be free. There came to my heart this sweet Message, my grace is sufficient for Thee. Well, my grace is sufficient for Thee. Yes, my grace is sufficient for Thee. In shady green pastures or on this old cross, my grace is sufficient for Thee. He said, in the darkness of the jail, I heard a man say, Uncle Rolly, is that you? They used, those that used to go through his homes used to call him Brother Rolly or Uncle Rolly. He said, it is, who is that? He, he said, it's me. I'm sorry. I'm here. He said, well, I'm here too, but not for the same reason. <laughs> Brother Roloff began to preach in the jail cell that night. Had, I don't know how many people saved. Had revival in the jail. Never saw a person. As I prayed this morning, thinking about people in their heartaches, their burdens, the distress. I just started singing, realizing God's grace is sufficient. Say, preacher, how do you stay so strong? (laughs) I stay weak. And as I stay weak, I can yield to the Holy Spirit and his grace can kick in. Folks, getting the grace of God, there's nothing sweeter. Needing it is nothing worse. If you need the grace of God, you're not in a good spot. I hate to tell you. But when you get it, it is sweet. Now sometimes you're wondering, is it really going to come? God, I'm hanging out here. Yeah, I know you are. Just hang on a little longer. But God, I think they put the noose around my neck. That's okay. I'll catch you before your feet drop. Been there a time or two. You see, there are times God wants it obvious that it's him and not us. God wants it very obvious that he's the one, not us. But I just can't figure this out. You're not supposed to. Let God figure it out. You just keep doing what you're supposed to. do. I've used this story a a, a bit. (laughs) We were building this building and... We had fought the county and fought the county and fought the county, and are still fighting the county, but they they, they wanted to add one hundred and twenty five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars added uh, stormwater management after we closed our loan and the plans were done, had to go back through and go get new loan documents, sign all the papers, had to try to get reapproved, another audit, everything else, had to spend thousands of dollars because. After we closed everything, they decided they wanted to do this. I'd been to the governor's office, been to the head of the DEP, uh, other things, and it just came down. And I was so frustrated. I was so mad. It was a Friday afternoon, and I said, God, that's it. Your house, you figure it out. I'm done. I'm going to dinner. I'm taking my wife out. I said, I'm tired. (laughs) It was 10 after 4. I remember because I looked at my watch and said, 10 after 4, Friday afternoon, you figured out I'm going to dinner, taking my wife. We had men's prayer breakfast the next day. There was a man at men's prayer breakfast, not a member of our church, but he had come. I had told our men, look, fellas, we're going to have to go through this whole process all over again. Figured out maybe God will provide the rest of the money, but I have no idea what we're going to do, but we're going to pray. I got done. We were in Aiken's Center. Do you remember? The luxurious accommodations of Aiken's Center. (laughs) And a man after prayer breakfast said, Pastor, could I talk to you? I said, yes, sir. We went up into my office, which was about big enough for me to turn around in. I had a little credenza as a desk. I had a box full of files and my Bible, and that's all the room there was in there sat down at a chair, both of us could put our coffee on, on my desk and never move. We're not sure whose side of the desk was the, was the business side, amen? That man looked at me and he said, Pastor, he said, what time did you tell God about the problem? I said, 10 after 4. He reached in his pocket and pulled out a little piece of paper. He said, my wife and I at 4.15 last night, we wrote this check out for $25,000 to give to the church. Here you go, preacher. It's not all of it, but maybe it'll help. Say, what did you do? I shouted, well, glory. Take that, devil. I had a little hope. God caught me before the rope went around my neck. God miraculously gave us what we needed. Can I tell you something? I didn't know how he was going to do it. But it was very obvious it was God and not me. See, sometimes God wants you to go through things so that he could show how powerful he is, not how wonderful you are. We're so busy trying to figure out how we can do it when we ought to be saying, (laughs) How are you going to do it, God? Have you ever read the book of Judges about Gideon? You talk about a man of faith. You know, there is a fine line between faith and foolish, but I'm not sure where that line is sometimes. Here's Gideon. God comes to him hiding and says, Look, thou mighty man of valor. He was hiding. He said, I want you to go fight the Midianite army. <laughs> He has 20,000 soldiers. And he says, you got too many soldiers. He said, well, wait a minute, God. 20,000 to 235,000. This isn't good odds. What are we going to do? He said, well, I want you to tell all those that are afraid to go home. (laughs) He said, can I go? (laughs) No. (laughs) 7,000 leave. (laughs) wonder where you would have been he said you still got too many <laughs> i can imagine what gideon was thinking comes down to 300 versus 235,000 that's 435 to 1 that's not good odds i'm not in gambling but i'm talking about 435 to 1 is not a good you know a one on one fight's bad enough but when it's 435 against 1 that's real bad he said, okay, God, what are you going to give us? You got any F-16s up there? He said, no, I'm going to give you a torch, and a clay pot, and a trumpet. Okay, where's the gasoline? We'll make Molotov cocktails. No gasoline. They didn't even have an armor-plated camel. He said, I want you to come down, light the torch, come down the hill from three different sides, break the clay pot, Hold the torch in the air, blow the trumpet and holler the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and watch what takes place. You want me to do what, God? They did. And they watched all of the Midianite soldiers wake up in the middle of the night, grab their swords and start killing each other. And they were directing the battle. There's one over here. Get him! get him! get him! get him! get him! get them. They didn't. They didn't kill one person, but they killed each other. To show what God could do. And I'll be honest with you. Gideon had more faith than I got. Didn't make sense. No, but look what God can do. But preacher, you don't understand. Put yourself in Gideon's shoes once. Think of how he felt right before midnight. I hope their swords are sharp so it doesn't hurt. I can only imagine. You see, there are times God wants us to yield to him because he wants it obvious that it's him and not us. You see, we we want to do it in our own strength, in our own power. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Say, but preacher, I don't see a way out. You don't have to see if you can see the one who sees. Brother Jim, there's a lot of times I can't see what the next step is, but I just keep my eyes focused on him and figure he's not going to take me down the wrong path. I've been in the woods a lot. I've been, I took greenhorns in the woods. Amen, Brother Aaron? I'd say, turn your stupid light out. <laughs> Why? We're going in. You can turn on coming out, but don't turn on going in. Why? I don't want them to see you. Especially when you've got a train light on your head. <laughs> a deer for three counties could see. Them. But I want it. No, you don't want to be seen. You want to see, but you don't want to be seen. But preacher, trust me, I know where I'm walking, don't you worry that's what God wants see but i I can't see the way you don't have to see the way if you can see the one who sees the way. Amen. You see though he slay me, yet yeah, will I trust him job said job didn't see the way job's friend said, oh god's judging you." This must not be God's will. Well, I hate to tell you something. Usually opposition means you're right smack dab in the middle of God's will. You think the devil's going to oppose something that's going his way? Now think through it for a second. I hear Christians say all the time, "Oh, I'll keep doing this as long as God keeps opening the doors. Well, what if the devil slams one shut? Time to kick it open and take it by force. I have never, in 43 years of preaching, had an easy time in the will of God. hate to disappoint you. Say, why? Because it's going against all of the devil. You think he's going to give me an easy time? You see, the load may seem too heavy, but our faith is, he's not going to give me more than I can handle. But preacher, I don't think I can handle it. If he gave it to you, you can. Right. Your faith is that he has not given you more than you can handle. But preacher, I don't see how. Because he will strengthen you with might by the spirit of the inner man. You don't need more sleep. You don't need more emotional support. You need more Word of God and you need more of the Spirit of God, and God will give you a strength necessary to fight the battle you need to get through. Well, you just don't understand my mother in law. I have one. I do. You don't understand my family. I have family too. Trust me. Well, preacher, you just don't understand uh, this disease. I understand disease. You don't understand heartache. I do. I'm coming up on three years and I buried my mother just before Christmas. I get it. As I sat with a family this week planning a memorial service for their loved one. They said, how is it that you understand? I said, I've done this nearly a thousand times and I've been there as a, as a human being. I've preached three of my four grandparents' funerals. I've preached my mother's funeral. I've preached funerals for my wife's family. I've preached uh, funerals for my friends and uh, the folks in my church and on and on and on and on. And yes, I know what it's like. And as I tell people all the time, uh, you don't get over a death. You get through a death. Everybody doing okay? Well, I, I just still grieve. Grieving is judgment. Pick up the booklet on death. It'll help you. Say, but preacher, how did you preach a funeral on... Uh, you, 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 I had to pull the plug on my mom on a Wednesday. I preached uh, a funeral on Friday. I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night. I preached mom's funeral on Monday. preached Mr. Diener's funeral on Tuesday. And then I did church Wednesday night. Didn't miss a click. But preacher, weren't you tired? Weren't you weary? Huh. You'll never know how tired and weary I was. But I worked on the inner man and God took care of that. So, number one, God doesn't want us to faint in tribulation. Number two, our strength will be spiritual, not physical or emotional. Please listen to this very carefully. (laughs) We are so driven by the physical and the emotional. We are so prone to think of our body first and our emotions next. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Job, uh, the devil said, yea, skin for skin, a man will give all that he has for his life. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? COVID. How many churches shut down everybody's afraid? Freaked out, weirded out over a germ they couldn't even see. Say, don't you believe in COVID? Yeah, I had it. I still haven't smelled or tasted in three years. Everybody doing okay? But I'm still here. Did you know you're going to die of something someday anyway? Now, I'm kind of like you. I'm not ready to take the next bus trip there. I'd like to stay here as long as I can. Do as much as I can. If this is middle life, I'll live to be 112 praise the lord now wait a minute ephesians three sixteen says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man we are more concerned about our body and our emotions well that just defends me if i hear that one more time i'm gonna slap somebody I am so tired of people say, well, you offend me. No, I disagree with you. If that offends you, so be it. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, 165. If you're living offended, guess what? You're not living biblically. Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm about to have fun here. I am so tired of this sissy generation. We've got to have cry rooms at colleges because people didn't get an election come out the way they want the Supreme Court rules something and legal students have to have uh, stress release rooms because uh, the Supreme Court upheld the law. Good thing they didn't have my dad and my grandpa in their life. My dad didn't know what emotional support was. (laughs) take the trash out but dad okay you choose with a whippet or without either way you're taking the trash out well uh, i'm offended well you're going to be offended in a moment here your one end is going to be offered as a sacrifice amen (laughs) you see god knows that the power that we need comes from the holy spirit Now listen to this very carefully here. That means this. That's why lost man cannot have the strength and the power that a saved man can have. Because a lost person has a dead spirit. And they can only think in terms of the body and the mind and the emotions. That's why 90% of All this world, (coughs) excuse me, is wrapped up in the body and emotions, psychology, psychiatry. (coughs) Wow. I had a frog in my throat and he changed legs, amen? (coughs) There we go. Man can only think in terms of his body and his emotions or soul. We're to live by faith.
0: Amen.
1: You see, look down to verse number nineteen, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Not unto him that's able now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the what. Power, the might, the dunamis that worketh in us. You see, we get too much like the world, and well, I'm depressed, I need more rest. Problem in our world today is we're so focused on our body and our emotions that we don't have time for a spirit. You see, God says that the love of Christ will pass knowledge (laughs) how many times have I heard people try to criticize me well you Christians you just believe God and the Bible is the answer to everything yep you hit the nail right on the head well uh, I I, I just don't understand well that's your fault because you're not saved get born again you might understand it you just think it's some magic potion well it's a whole lot better than your body and your mind At least I don't believe I came from an explosion from nothing. Well, you you just don't know how to follow the science. Evolution is not science. It doesn't even meet the requirements of the definition of science. Science requires observation and repeatability. It it answers none of those. That's why it was called the theory theory. That's why it was accepted by communist nations to explain away God and science and government could be God instead of Jehovah God. You see, we need to live by faith in the love of Christ. And it will pass knowledge. Listen to me. That word pass means comes from behind, comes alongside of. And then passes you. It's like going down the highway. And you see the guy with the lights flashing. And you get over in the slower lane. He's you're, you're, you're in this lane and all of a sudden he passes you. He comes from behind, comes alongside, and then keeps on going. That's exactly what the love of Christ can do. You just got to get in the right lane so he can pass you. Trouble is, you're blocking the lane. You're more worried about your body and how you feel than you are the love of Christ. It may not come at first, but look in the rearview mirror, he's on his way. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had to go into the fire. Everybody doing okay? They weren't sure how it was going to work out because two guys had already died just opening the door of the furnace. Next thing they knew, they were walking around in the fire, warming the hands. And then when they asked to come out, they were loose, came out and said, Told you, Nebuchadnezzar. Now imagine when they were facing going into the door of that furnace, they were a bit nervous. I don't think they really wanted to go into that furnace. I don't think they were rednecks and said, Watch this, y'all! Nope. But I do know they told Nebuchadnezzar, Our God will deliver us. But if not, be it known unto the O king. By the way, I said this just not long ago. Nebuchadnezzar saw four men. The people on the outside saw four men. It never says that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego saw the fourth man. But they knew something was there. That's not normal. But Look what God did. Amen. He didn't keep them from the fire, but he sure was with them in the fire. Amen. By the way, only three came out. That means you might have to go through the fire to see him, to experience it. You see, God is the source of the love which powers our inner man. If we're not careful, we can get bitter. We can get angry. We can get uh, very offset. Do you ever notice when you get angry, your, your your body gets tired because it causes all the muscles in your body to tense up. Uh, I did a little bit of boxing uh, for exercise, not professionally, and yeah, trust me. But uh, we, we didn't do any head We just were, we'd work out for a while and then box three rounds. Well, the first time I ever boxed, I learned a valuable lesson. And that is this. When you got your arms up like this, you keep them loose. Because you didn't realize how long three minutes are. If you're all tensed up and holding your arms as tight as you can, hold your arm, not now, later, as tight as you can like that for three minutes and find out you ain't going to last. And you wonder why they... Because they're, they're resting their arms. They're just protecting their body. Uh, and you let them hit your arms all day long because it doesn't hurt. You only tense up when you throw that punch. But the moment you start tensing up, boy, three rounds seems like it is four hours. I learned the hard way. I said, man, I thought I was strong enough to handle this. but my, he And the guy I was boxing with, he said... Let your arms loose, man. You're tensed, you're tensed up. He said, the only way to learn it is to go through what you just did. Oh, man. Once I finally learned that, I could box three rounds. But that tension, just it'll eat at you. It, it zaps your strength, and your, your neck is tight, and your shoulders are tight, and you, everything you do, it's, it's all tense and tight, and it wears you down. You wonder why you're so exhausted every day, because anger and bitterness will do that to you. God says you overcome that by the love of Christ. Not by your love, but by his love. And by the way, let me make this statement. Love is in giving, not in getting. It's not that you get the love of Christ. Now unto him that's, uh, into the, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now watch this. Not until you start doing what God says with the love of Christ do you start getting that strength necessary. Love is founded in the obedience to the Bible, not getting something. Love is strengthened by hard times. It's not there to destroy you. You know, the death of a loved one is a very difficult time. And I've watched families shatter over it. Can I tell you why? They were trying to do it in their own strength. Well, you didn't, you didn't respond the way I would respond. Uh, nobody said you would. Some people respond differently than others. <laughs> My wife was there. She, she can attest to this. My dad has a pretty good spirit. My mom was his whole life. 59 years they were married, just about. Just two months shy. And she always said, don't open that box when I'm dead. You shut the lid, go there, go to the funeral home, make sure it's me, and then shut the lid and don't open it again. That was her wishes. So, on a Sunday afternoon, we went to the funeral home, and they opened the lid to make sure it was mom. Family was there, and course, it was a tender moment. Everybody for a couple minutes was crying. And <laughs> and if you knew my dad, we just weren't sure what was coming next. Well, mom had both knees replaced one, three or four times. She had both ankles rebuilt. She had 30 some pins and screws in both of her feet. And she had a steel rod in one of her legs. I mean, she was And he always joked. Not sure if I'm going to take you to Browns or the junkyard when you die. <laughs> Is that not what he would say? For years, we'd all been there through four minutes, and it was kind of getting a little bit more serious. My dad backed up and said, "Well, I guess she won." And I said, "Dad, what do you mean she won?" He said, "Took her to Browns instead of the junkyard." <laughs> And we all started laughing. And from that moment on, my dad didn't cry. Can I tell you why? He was strengthened from the inner man. Oh, that was the love of his life. If you knew my dad, that's the person for whom he lived. He still misses her. And I do too. And it's sweet and it's precious. Can I tell you something? Uh, if you're not careful, that could drive people apart. Sickness can drive people apart. Disappointments, financial hard times. Man, people fuss and feud and fight over finances. Good night. As we love in tribulations, God's power and his might fills our inner man. And gives us the strength not only in the spirit, but then our body and our soul begin to catch up. When we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, watch this, sleeping it off makes you weaker. Running away makes you weaker. Spending your way, uh, what do they call that, Uh, retail therapy. Uh, Buying things just because you're depressed or discouraged or hurting does not make you stronger, it makes you weaker. Playing in entertainment doesn't make you stronger. It makes you weaker. Taking time off doesn't make you stronger. It makes you weaker. You're like the person that says, I'm going to go to the gym and take a bag of hamburgers with you, sit down on the couch, watch everybody walk out and say, I went to the gym, but you're no stronger. You're weaker. Not until you face the resistance, do you begin to get stronger? It takes opposition to make you stronger, not the lack thereof. You see, as you go through the tribulation and you learn to love people without a bad attitude, without everybody afraid to walk near you because you're going through a tough time, isn't it amazing how grumpy we can get if we're having a bad day? Well, just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean you've got to give everybody else in the world a bad day. Number three. I said number one, God does not want us to faint in tribulation. Number two, our strength will be spiritual, not physical or emotional. Number three. I'm going to shout first. Glory! God can and will do more than we can ask or think if we'll yield to his power. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I drove on the property this morning and saw what God's done to a church. Who'd ever thunk when we started in a hotel room we'd have what we have today. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with our groanings, which cannot be uttered. There are times I don't even know what to ask God for. And I'll say, God... I could ask you for something, but I'm not even sure it's what I need. Would you just take care of what I need right now? God, I'm not sure how to make it through the next appointment, but if you give me the strength, when I get to the other side, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of it. Second Timothy 1.7, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, of a sound mind. God says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, that we may boldly come before his throne of grace. Can I tell you something? Let's not look for results. Don't look at the results of what you're going through. You focus on your obedience and let God take care of the results. You look at your obedience and let God take care of the results. My brother-in-law, my wife's sister's husband, passed away in February. Found out in no, late November that he had pancreatic cancer and by first part of February was gone. Paul was 56, 58 years, about 58 years old. Crystal looked at me and I, she said, but Craig, why? And I said, I can't answer why. The morning we were leaving to go to Georgia for my daughter to have our grandson, I got a phone call about 12.30 that night that Paul was dying and I was on the phone with my sister-in-law as he took his last breaths. A few hours later, drove 10 hours to get to Georgia and our grandson was born and I flew out a few days later and flew to Texas from Georgia to preach his funeral. Brother Larry, his funeral home was packed full of, he was a guard. They were both guards at a prison. It was filled full of prison guards. He was a veteran as well. Family was there and lived a tough life. But Paul was saved and was in heaven. I can I tell you a sweet story? I preached. I preach the gospel he told me he said he said Craig I need you to preach my family some of my family's not saved I want them to go to heaven people I work with he said they need to hear the gospel (laughs) I watched the warden of one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest prisons in that area trust Christ as his savior I watched prison guards by by the nearly a dozen raise their hand getting saved I watched his family, a bunch of them raised their hand. After the service was over, his mother was not the easiest person to get along with in this world. She was a bit terse, is a nice word. They wheeled her down in a wheelchair after the service, right up to me. I thought, uh oh, here it comes. She's been known to do it. And she reached her hand out. She said, Pastor, I put her hands in mine. She said, Paul's been telling me for a long time I needed what you said today. She said, you sure that if I trusted Christ that I'm going to go to heaven someday? I said, yes, ma'am. That's what God said, not what I said. She said, well, then I just got saved. I guess I'll get to see Paul again, won't I? I said, yes, you will. I don't know if Paul had to go to heaven so his mama could get saved. But I know this, a bunch of folks got saved. You see, we look at the results that he died. Well, God said he passed from death to life, not life to death. He's doing fine. We're the ones that have put up with Crystal. I mean, uh, anyway, uh, you see, he's he's fine, but maybe we get too concerned about the results and we're not looking at our obedience. God wants your obedience; let Him take care of the results. So, well, it doesn't look like I'm winning. Didn't look like Job was winning for a while. But have you ever read the last chapter of the Book of Job, chapter forty-two? God gave him back twice as much as he had before. Didn't look like Jesus was doing so well for a while, did it? They crucified him. But Sunday morning came, and up from the grave he arose. You see, God can do more than you can ever ask or think. Give me two minutes. I surrendered to preach at the age of 13, Brother Jim. The time I was 14, 15, I didn't even know what I was asking for, but I'd walk about five blocks to church. I'd leave before my family and get there early. I was coming back one Tuesday night after soul winning. I remember saying, God, I just want you to use me. God, could you use me? It was one of those cold Ohio... You know, 40 degrees and raining kind of days. Just one of those bone chilling, yucky days. And the next thing I knew, I felt a hand on my shoulder, Brother Steve. And the man said, Young man, are you okay? I said, I shook myself. I said, Yeah, I'm fine. Why? He said, Well, you're on your knees here on the sidewalk. I didn't even realize I had fallen to my knees begging God to use me. I said, I'm fine. He said, what's wrong? I said, nothing. I'm just praying. He said, out here? I said, out here. (laughs) I said, it'll be all right. I said, I'm fine, I promise. I said, God, could you use me? I drove on this property this morning, Brother Aaron. Larry, I saw that sign that you built out there. I remember the day you sat back over here in the old rented building down the road and you and your wife walked the aisle and trusted Christ as your Savior. Really, God can use you. He wants to use us. Could I see that 45 years ago? But God's been able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Amen. You have the opportunity to live with God powering your life. I don't know about you. I'd rather have God powering me than me powering me. Because mm-hmm. my power gave out a long time ago. You say, but it's fearful. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The only reason it's fearful is because you're trying to do it yourself and not do it his way. Say, preacher, do you always have courage? (laughs) Yeah, that means I always have fear, too. Because there is no courage without the presence of fear. But I reach down inside and say, okay, God, this is what you said. I'm going to do it. doesn't make sense to me. A torch, a clay pot, and a trumpet. Mm. Doesn't make sense to me. But I'll go forward. I'll go forward. How about we let God strengthen power our inner man and let's let him take care of the outer can tell you something the lost world doesn't understand that kind of pressure or that kind of strength how do you do it preacher (laughs) because i strengthen the inner man and god gives me the strength for the outer how do you take all these hits emotionally because i keep the inner man strong when i am weak then is he strong as we rely on him for our strength you can make it and god will use you to do us exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think it's not what's happening in this battle let's win the war not worry about the battle every head bowed every eye closed i'm done my first question is this do you know for sure that if you died you go to heaven See, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never been saved, then you have a dead spirit and this power and this might is not available to you. It's it's there. You just have to trust Christ as your Savior. You say, preacher, if I die today, I'm 100% sure.